Tappers, what's up? It is the Monday edition of the Daily Tap, brought to you by Tapping the Keg Sports. Yes, not Snow Tap WI. We have changed the name, Tapping the Keg Sports Podcast Network. Make sure you subscribe, rate, review, do all of those things. We would greatly appreciate that. Um, we are trying to grow this thing a little bit more, and that's why the name change happened. We'll maybe talk a little bit about it at the end if we got some time. Uh, but we are going to talk about how the Milwaukee and the Green Bay Packer franchises do not end up like the Chicago Cubs. Uh, we'll go over that. We're going to talk a little bit about early free agency stuff and why the Miami Heat tampering story pisses us all off as Bucks fans. Lastly, we'll look ahead to the Brewers week, which includes the San Francisco Giants over the weekend. So we'll talk about all of that today. But let's start with the Brewers and the Bucks and the Packers not ending up like the Chicago Cubs. So over the weekend, really as the weekend started, the Cubs have tra- had traded everybody. The Cubs lineup looks like a gang of nobodies. They suddenly became the lovable losers yet again um, with guys like David Bodie, Patrick Wisdom, or I think it's Rafael Ortega. Who had three home runs on Sunday, by the way. So he had a good weekend. Uh, but really, all they had was Wilson Contreras. And the cupboard was bare other than Wilson Contreras. Now, that was due to the fact that they all owed Javi Baez, Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo all owed them money in 2022. Um, All three will be free agents in the upcoming offseason. And that is wild to me. It's wild to me that the Cubs decided to completely tear apart what they had built and the dynasty that they were supposed to be in 2016. And they never really amounted to, to it. They never got to that mountaintop again. Joe Madden probably wore out his welcome. The Cubs never found themselves in the World Series after winning it in 2016. And a lot of Cubs fans were in pure euphoria for maybe a year, two, potentially three, because they had just broken this crazy long curse and it was remember when. And I still think there'll be people who tell stories of that 2016 World Series win. And I like, even for me, as someone who's not a Cubs fan who doesn't cheer for the Cubs, being in the same room as a Cubs fan, my roommate Mike at the time, will be something that will always stick with me. The joy that Mike had with the Cubs winning the World Series was unmatched, unlike anything I had ever seen. And it was incredible. And him calling his dad and celebrating that, I, I mean, it was just special. Even though I wasn't a fan of the Cubs, never have been a fan of the Cubs, it still was a very special moment. So how do they go from that to now tearing it all apart five years later. And you think about it and you say five years is not a long time. Bill Simmons used to have a thing where he said, you can't complain about a championship or complain about a team after a five-year window. Now, I think Simmons has kind of went back on that and been more at like a three-year thing where he's like, after about three years, you should probably, it should probably be like, all right, we're ready for our next one. We're ready to compete. But more and more, it seems like there are more Miami Marlins examples of flash in the pan, one win, and then it's kind of out. Like look at the Philadelphia Eagles, right? Philadelphia Eagles won the Super Bowl in 2018. For all intents and purposes, that looks like a complete fluke. Three years later, the Eagles are 
projected to be one of the worst teams in football. They have Jalen Hurts starting at quarterback, not Carson Wentz, not Nick Foles. Doug Peterson is out of a job who won a Super Bowl three years ago. All of that's changed. Everything has changed in that organization. And they won a Super Bowl three years ago. That's fucking wild, right? And that's kind of the new age of sports where it's not like you have these long runs that the parity of sports leads to less dynasties, leads to less dominance, and free agent movement and self-interested owners lead to that as well. The Chicago Cubs got themselves in trouble because they did not want to bring back any of their guys. They decided that they could kind of wait this out and sort of say, all right, we're just going to reset in 2022. If we don't believe in these three guys and we don't think that they are the future, we're going to reset. Now, I don't exactly agree with that, especially when you had a guy like Anthony Rizzo, who basically said, I will take less money to stay with this team. I will go down with the ship. Like, even if you guys are going to rebuild, let me be here. This guy wanted to be a Cub for life, and the Cubs didn't allow that for him. And that, man, as a fan, like, that's always going to leave you with a bad taste in your mouth. Javi Baez wanting $200 million is ridiculous. And the Cubs probably were smart to trade him, right? Like, that probably makes sense. If Javi Baez wanted that much money, I would not give Javi Baez $200 million. So, yeah, fine. Trade him to the Mets. Chris Bryant, I mean, yeah, you want an MVP. He hasn't necessarily been able to capture it again. I think this season he's been a little bit better. I mean, the Brewers will see Bryant next week when the Giants come, or this week when the Giants come to town. And, you know, he could thrive in that lineup. I mean, the Giants needed another bat. They get it. And that's, and now he's set up and he maybe could become a Giant after the fact. I I think the Giants would look at that and say he could be the next sort of cornerstone of this team. And it's just crazy to me that the Cubs decided that they they weren't going to bring at least one of those guys back to say, all right, Contreras and Rizzo, those are our two guys for the next five years at least. And we're going to kind of keep building this. We're not going to reflect back on 2016, but we're at least going to have the people, some who've been there before. Now all you have is Contreras and David Ross, right? It's kind of it. And, and David Ross is your manager. So David, who knows David Ross is going to hold on to his job. What, what's to say that, that David Ross won't get fired as well? And so I look at it more from my local perspective and say, all right, how do we not have this happen to, first of all, the Bucks, but also the Brewers and the Packers? The Bucks just won a championship. It was great. We all celebrated. We're all going to, we're all going to revel in it. The ring ceremony will be in the first week of the season, and the Bucks will get their championship rings, and the banner will get hung in the Fiserv Forum. Be the first time I think a banner is hung for a championship since, gosh, since the 1970s, right? Since Marquette 77. So I don't know if a banner has went up in a long time in Milwaukee. And so a banner, a championship banner will finally fly in the rafters of the Pfizer Forum. But the Bucks have to stay hungry. The good news with the Bucks is they at least have four to five more years of Giannis Antetokounmpo, Drew Holiday, and Chris Middleton. And I've said to you guys for a while now, even when the Bucks were kind of struggling, I was like, look, this window is open. 
This window is not closed if they lose. This window is wide open for the Milwaukee Bucks to take advantage of it. That still holds true. The Milwaukee Bucks can win multiple championships in this window. There's not nothing to say that the Milwaukee Bucks couldn't get another ring. They couldn't figure out a way to make sure that they don't have to basically start over in five years. That in five years, when Holiday's contract's up, when Middleton's contract's up, when Giannis's contract is up, that they are not going to start all over again. Now onto the Kumbo, let's say he plays it out. Let's say he still has MVP-like years. Maybe he somehow hits better. I think they're going to try to bring Giannis back before his, his contract is up, just like they did this year. Like I think the extension will happen. Giannis is a guy who I still think would be a buck for life. I don't know what could change that Giannis would say, all right, I want to now play in Miami or I want to play in Los Angeles or I want to play in New York City. I want to do something different. I've said for a long time that the Bucks ha- or Giannis has that international thing where wherever they live is kind of their hometown. And I, I've mentioned the Spurs before, and some people have compared the Bucks to the Spurs. Some people think that the Bucks can be this year, this generation's Spurs, where they find themselves in the championship pretty regularly. They have guys that just stay and that want to be part of this quote-unquote culture. Now, I know it's not heat culture, which I will get to the Miami Heat a little bit later. But yes, that there are people that want to stay with the Bucks, and that Giannis can basically be the cornerstone and everybody's around him. So maybe Chris Middleton leaves, maybe Drew Holiday leaves, but there will be other guys that come in that want to play with Giannis and the Bucks sort of build this model of consistency that they are the consistent team in the NBA. Maybe they're not in the finals every year, but they're in the playoffs. They're gnawing at your heels. That's like, oh, there goes the Bucks again. There, there goes the Bucks in the conference finals for the fifth straight year. They've made the finals twice. They've lost it three times or two times if they were in for a fifth straight year. And But we know that the Bucks are always going to contend for a title. If that's what Milwaukee's next 10 years are, I'm happy as a fucking clam. Even if they don't win a championship, if they are in the mix for the next 10 years, I think I'll get annoyed at some point. Like it would probably be a three or four year where I'm like, all right, guys, can we win another one here for Giannis? Like Giannis has one title. Can he get two? Because like two obviously means a lot more. Three means, you know, it keeps growing. As you keep winning more titles, people revere you more. That's how sports work in all, doesn't matter, baseball, football, basketball, they're going to revere you a little bit more with more titles. So that to me is where how you avoid becoming the Chicago Cubs is just making sure that everybody stays happy, that you stay connected with Giannis and you try to build a Spurs-like culture within your organization. And the Cubs, one of the problems with them was they didn't realize when to bail on Joe Madden and they waited too long with Joe Madden and he wore out his welcome and he wore down those players and David Ross was never really able to bring it all back. I think there are some Cubs fans that could say, well, what if the pandemic didn't happen and we have a 2020 season that's normal? I mean, the Cubs did, I think they won the division, right? Or was it the Reds? I think they won the division. So they win the division, they lose to Miami somehow in the first round. And if that didn't happen, you know, are the is it a totally different atmosphere? Does everybody come back? Does the do the Cubs actually make a run at this thing versus what happened where Chicago obviously peters out early 
and they are they are an afterthought, and they don't even make it out of that first round in what was a Mickey Mouse season. But that could have been the start of it all, and so that to me is where the Bucks need to understand like when it's time to move on. If Drew Holiday starts looking washed up, if Middleton starts looking washed up, you know, making those moves, making sure that Giannis Antetokounmpo is always happy. It is a player-driven league more so than any others. So making sure that Giannis stays happy and that you're able to sort of build those table stakes going forward. As for the Milwaukee Brewers, and then we'll get to the Green Bay Packers to bring it more into the full state. Brewers haven't won a championship. They're knocking on the door. They are a World Series contender this year. I think with the Brewers, it's just, so we talk about the Spurs in, in basketball. It's like, how do we be a maybe a little richer version of Tampa? Like, how do we be Tampa Bay, but with a little more money? That, to me, is what I, I think the goal should be for David Stearns and Kerr. I mean, you look at Tampa Bay. They traded Willie Adonis, who's been an MVP candidate in the National League. And yet, they just swept the Boston Red Sox and are in first place in the AL East. Like, that's crazy. That's absolutely nuts. Like, there, there's no reason that the Devil Rays should be this good. But they are. And I think for the Brewers, that's kind of the goal, right? Like, don't take on a ton of big contracts. Make sure that you kind of find the efficiencies on the edge. And you're able to continue to build a roster so that you don't necessarily have to rebuild. I mean, the Brewers, if unless of a crazy collapse are going to make their fourth straight playoffs. And yes, last year was a Mickey Mouse year, but still, the Brewers have never been a more successful franchise than they are right now. And so if David Stearns were to leave, well, you have guys like Matt Arnold who who have been there with Stearns, and Matt Arnold will bring in guys who are Stearns-like, and they will be able to sort of execute more deals and make sure that the Brewers stay successful. And I know Christian Yelich is still struggling, and that to me is very worrisome. But the fact the Brewers are 20 games over 500 with getting absolutely nothing from Christian Yelich says that they are maybe a bigger team than the star player, that they have a culture that breeds winning, and that it really doesn't matter that Christian Yelich has been trashed this year because they have so much success elsewhere. Now, this is me saying they should trade Christian Yelich. Although, I will not be surprised if there are some spicy takes on that. I will not be surprised if somebody's like, well, should we consider maybe dealing Yelich so we have a little more money as a franchise? I would not be surprised. But if Yelich becomes an MVP again, that's where you make a step in the wrong direction. Again, that's how you become the Chicago Cubs. And I think with the Brewers in baseball, it is making sure that all their guys are taken care of. Some guys you might not be able to. Like at some point, you might lose Corbin Burns to free agency. Josh Hader is a guy who, when his time is up, he's gone. Like you're going to lose Josh Hader to a Yankees, to a Red Sox, to a Dodgers. Josh Hader will get massive money from somebody. They are going to lose Josh Hader. And that's okay. That's going to happen. You're a small market team. But the, the goal should always be to retool and to make sure you have that next person. You have that other guy waiting in the wings, ready to go. So you're not necessarily in this sort of flux and transition period. At some point, the Brewers' crazy playoff record will break. 
and it'll be like, all right, they finally missed the playoffs. But the Brewers have been good time and time again. So I think that they have a model that works. And honestly, if I'm a Cubs fan, I look at what the Brewers are doing. Is like, how can we be, so we said a richer version than the Rays. How can the Cubs be a richer version than the Brewers? What can the Cubs do that matches what, what the Brewers are doing on a year-to-year basis? Because to me, that's what I would be looking at if I were a Cubs fan or if I was in Cubs management. Lastly, for the Green Bay Packers, they're in a unique situation, right? You could argue that they are the closest comparison to the Cubs, right? The Cubs let all their star players go, and they're kind of going to start over in 2022. The Packers easily could have that same thing happen. They could trade Aaron Rodgers. They could not re-sign Devontae Adams, and they could just start brand new with Jordan Love and Aaron Jones, maybe, and that's it right? And that's their team. And how do you feel about that? Like, if you are starting over, do you trust that Green Bay can get it done? I mean, they've been a model of consistency. And I've said this on a few podcasts last week where I was like, look, you have to trust what the Packers have been doing for the last really two decades. They've known their shit. They had one bad year with Rodgers. And then the following year, the Packers were in the playoffs were a face masking away from being in the divisional round. And then the next year, they win the Super Bowl. And a year after that, they go 15-1. and And they lose in the playoffs. But still going 15-1 and in a season is, is an accomplishment. And the Packers have been steady ever since. And they only missed the playoffs when Aaron Rodgers got hurt. And when Aaron Rodgers had a, you know, a little issue with Mike McCarthy. And all things went to shit in 2018 where the Packers held on too long and I think there is some worry that if we hold on to Rodgers are we going to wait too long are we going to miss our opportunity with Jordan Love they know if Jordan Love's good or not we're going to see Jordan Love in preseason next Saturday trust me there will be takes we'll have a lot of Jordan Love takes I'm sure it'll be a topic next week as we round into that but the fact of the matter is is Jordan Love is, it should be the next one. And if Devontae Adams wants to play with Love and the Packers want to bring Devontae back, and I'm sure they're telling Devontae a little bit like, hey, look, I know your guys with Aaron Rodgers, but you do realize if we trade Aaron Rodgers, the amount of money that's going to be opened up for you will be ridiculous. Now, I don't know if that's going to happen. They're $12 million under the cap now. Somehow, Brian Gunacoust has been an absolute magician, him and Russ Ball, freeing up $12.5 million this year says, you know, you could bring Devontae back already or you could bring back Xavier Howard. Devontae's already stated that he wants to be paid like the best receiver in football. It doesn't matter if Aaron Rodgers is here or not. If you can start next year with Jordan Love and Devontae Adams, you're going to be all right. And maybe Robert Tanyan, I think he might be a free agent next year. I don't think he's restricted anymore. You'll have to do some magic. But you'll have so much more money to work with because you're planning to trade Aaron Rodgers. And you could be over the cap at least at the start of free agency and then trading Aaron Rodgers after June 1st. You're like, all right, here we go. And this this is it. And who knows? Maybe Green Bay changes their tune. And maybe they say we want to keep Aaron Rodgers and we want to sort of build this last stretch because we fucked up and quarterbacks go forever. And Jordan Love's preseason tape 
should give us enough to trade him. And maybe they trade him during the season. Maybe they trade him after the season for a second or first rounder. I don't know if you get a first rounder for a guy like Love, but I'm sure you get a second or third. So I think Jordan Love is potentially on the table for the Packers to make a move. It would not surprise me. And we'll see what they do. We'll see if they go to the direction of the Chicago Cubs and they just start all over and that there really isn't much left and that the Smith brothers are gone and it really is the rookies. It's, or not rookies, but young guys. It's Love, it's Rashawn Gary, it's A.J. Dillon, it's Jair Alexander, it's all these younger guys and maybe David Bakhtiari is one of the old sort of patriarchs of the team, but that's it. Right, and that's that's one of the only few that are, are left standing. Who knows? Kenny Clark would be another one, and he's young in his own right. Like Kenny Clark's not an old guy at all, but he's just been there for a while because he got drafted so young. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what the Packers become. I just don't want to end up in a situation like the Cubs with any of my teams. I I just felt, even though I was you know I don't cheer for the Cubs and we fly the L here. It was devastating to watch that. And just you just basically said, let that not happen to my team. And I think that is the biggest lesson of it all is every team, not only locally but nationally, should be looking at the Cubs and saying, that's a great use case for how not to end up after a championship. Moving on to NBA free agency, which begins today at 5 p.m., So we already are hearing rumors. There's a lot of stuff out there. Jake Fisher of Bleacher Report did a really great job. I've not been clued in on Jake's work, but Jake did an awesome read over the weekend. I think it was on Saturday. I quote tweeted it. If you can find it, maybe I'll retweet it again for the people. But it basically was chock full of information. A lot of point guard stuff, which kind of is the story of this free agency, is where where will all the point guards go? And it seems like we know Russell Westbrook, obviously, already with the Lakers. Kyle Lowry seems to be headed to Miami, which we're going to get to the Lowry tampering stuff in a minute here. But I, I think that you are going to kind of see the dominoes fall. Lonzo Ball has been rumored to Chicago. Um, there are a few others that are kind of being floated around as potential opportunities. But the point guard market is the market of this NBA free agency season. But as for the Milwaukee Bucks, the question is, what will the Bucks do with all of their bench players? So the guys that are free agents are Bryn Forbes, P.J. Tucker, and Bobby Portis. Bryn Forbes, I think we can forget about. I have an option for Bryn Forbes here in a second. Well, I'll just say it now. Fuck it. Malik Monk. I think Malik Monk would make a ton of sense to be Bryn Forbes' replacement. They'll find a shooter that can replace Bryn Forbes. But Bryn Forbes, I think, is long gone. I think Bryn Forbes is going to get paid. Apparently, Brooklyn's interested. But yeah, the Bucks helped Bryn Forbes get paid. He's going to get a good chunk of change here as not the veteran minimum. And I think... I don't know if it rubbed Bryn the wrong way that he wasn't he didn't play the last three games, but I think Bryn sort of saw the writing on the wall that the Bucks didn't believe they could trust him down the stretch, and that was true because they couldn't. He had that one series against Miami, which I'm grateful for, but after that, he went to complete shit, and he wasn't really good the rest of the way. So the Bucks are going to look in a new direction there. It could be Malik Monk. It could be a variety of other shooters. 
And we'll, we'll obviously go through more and more as the week goes on. Now, they can start talking to guys this week, and then free agency officially kicks off on Friday. And if you remember last year, the Bucks sort of hung in the weeds. They didn't make any big moves early. And then it was, oh, they got DJ Augustine. Oh, they got Bobby Portis. All happened on like a weekend where the Bucks started to make some moves. And now DJ Augustine, complete disaster. Um, Bobby Portis was not. And Bobby Portis was great. And Bobby obviously opted out of his player deal, trying to get more money. If you listen to him with Ryan Rossillo last week, he kind of talked about how he it's his time to get paid. It felt like a tell that Bobby was like, all right, I'm going to cash out here, which I don't think any Bucks fan would blame Bobby Portis for trying to get that money. The only thing the Bucks can do is offer him the mid-level exception at $5.9 million. Now, that's not that much money. Um, and I think Bobby could easily get 10, maybe even 12 from a team uh, that looks at what Bobby did and can sell that to their fans and say, look, we're bringing in an NBA champion. And that that always carries weight. Like people kind of underrate that. You see this in every sport is if you win a championship, you get a little more money. You get an extra bump because you are an NBA champion. And they know they being the organization knows they can sell that to their fan base. So don't be surprised if Bobby Portis, even though Mark Stein thinks that they're favored to bring back Bobby, I would not be surprised if he takes money elsewhere. If he gets a big deal from, I don't know, I'm trying to think of a team who could pay Bobby. Um, let's just say nah, the Rockets are too not good enough. Uh, maybe Minnesota. Minnesota kind of uh, trying to be on the rise. Minnesota decides to give Bobby Portis $12.5 million over. It's twelve and a half per for three years. Let's say that's the deal. I could totally see that happening. But Bobby has said he wants to come back. According to Mark Stein of, I forget what his new blog is. He's running like a Substack now. Which, by the way, Tammy Keg newsletter is probably going to come. We're probably going to get a newsletter out to you guys. Just so you know. It's, it's coming. So be on, be on the lookout for that. Um, I don't know when. Uh, that's more of more to in the in a future state thing. I gotta get past this wedding first before I can start talking about newsletters. But anyways, I believe Bobby could come back if Mark Stein is telling the truth here um, and that he could potentially be a buck again and take less money yet again. I think playing for winners is contagious, right? I think you want to play with winning basketball and to have that opportunity again to run back is a good feeling and something that I think a lot of guys would, would welcome the opportunity and say, all right, we're going to run this thing back and we're going to try to win a second straight championship for the city of Milwaukee. And we like it here. We're embraced here. I mean, Bobby is loved here. I don't know if there will be another fan, fan base that loves Bobby Portis as much as the Milwaukee Bucks do. So I could understand Bobby Porter's wanting to come back. I'm not going to be mad at him at all if he takes a five, you know, he takes a ten million dollar deal, he takes a twelve million dollar deal. Like I'm not going to be mad at him. Like cash out, make sure you have that money for everybody else and yourself, and that you eat. But I can see Bobby Porter's wanting to come back and play with the winners of the Milwaukee Bucks. And it seems like PJ Tucker is going to be back on a two year for twenty. That seems to be the deal. Now, $10 million a year may be a little steep for Tucker, 
but the guy meant so much to the Bucks defense. He was the one who helped push the Bucks over the edge. I think P.J. Tucker's contributions are not seen on the stat sheet, but seen in the locker room, seen on the, the court. There's just stuff that we do not see that P.J. Tucker is worth that price. You could say, yeah, it's a little pricey, but I do think it's worth it. And if you and if PJ completely looks washed, all right, just find a way to move off of it. I'm sure you could. PJ Tucker is going to carry respect, and he's a leader in this team, this clubhouse, and what you kind of need to be back. I realize basketball doesn't do clubhouses, but leader in the locker room, that's what PJ Tucker is, and that that's why you need to keep PJ Tucker on this roster. So I think the Bucks will bring back PJ Tucker on that two-year, twenty million dollar deal. And I think that is a smart move. I think it's the right move. And I think it's a move that has to happen. And I think if you don't have P.J. Tucker, I do wonder about where do you get that defense from? Where do you get that communication from? And how do you keep that mental toughness that you had last season? Lastly, on the NBA free agency, the Miami Heat seem destined to sign Kyle Lowry in a sign-and-trade. It seems like the deal is done done deal alert for those Marquette fans out there. It seems like it is a wrap that Kyle Lowry will be joining the Miami Heat. Now, free agency does not start until 5 p.m. today. So you heard that, right? It's 8 a.m. when I'm taping this. And yes, Kyle Lowry is going to be a Miami Heat. And there is no tampering. There's no nothing. No one cares. And some people ask, well, why does it make you mad as a Bucks fan, right? Like, you won a championship, why are you bitching? Why are you worried about what Miami and Toronto are doing? Well, I'll tell you why. Because even though we won a championship, guess what? Bogdan Bogdanovich still would have been nice to have this year. He still would have been nice to have next year. And the fact that the Bucks were robbed of that because of a fucking Woj tweet, and, and Miami isn't robbed the same, is just pure hypocrisy. And we should be able to call out the league. We should be able to say, all right, why are the small markets in the NBA getting punished versus the large markets, versus the markets that we want to thrive? That Adam Silver wants Miami to be good. He wants Toronto to succeed in Canada. It's good for business. So whatever is good for business, Adam Silver is going to look the other way. And if Adam Silver doesn't take a draft pick away from Miami... It's a gross miscarriage of justice. And you're like, wow, that's an intense word. But no, I'm serious. Like, how how can we say this one thing is tampering and this other thing isn't? The Buddy Heald deal was very similar with the Lakers. It's like, how is none of this tampering? And I understand we're annoying as Bucks fans that say everything is tampering. But I'm sorry. You set the standard by taking away a draft pick from the Milwaukee Bucks. That was your decision. That was Adam Silver's fucking decision. And when Adam Silver took that away from the Milwaukee Bucks, that immediately changed the storyline. That changed the narrative. We cannot necessarily put up with this. This is not fair to the Milwaukee Bucks. And I hope like how John Horst and company have filed a complaint with the league. I, I, I really do. Because they deserve to know why this is different. And yeah, a member of the Bucks front office leaked the story to Woj. Or Woj found it out through a front office member who was kind of flapping his gums. Which is par for the course with the, the front office member we're speaking about. But still, it doesn't matter. 
it should be the same for everybody. The playing field should be the same. If Miami and Toronto are working on the sign and trade ahead of the uh, ahead of free agency, that is fucking tampering. And that deal should be struck down and said, all right, you have to figure something else out. And it cannot look exactly the same. And we need to see something else. And yes, Bogdan got cold feet too. And he goes to Atlanta. He was definitely at fault as well. It was a whole thing, man. There was a lot of things wrong with that. And the Kings too are, you know, basically one of the more dysfunctional franchises in all of sports. Must be something about the purple because the Colorado Rockies, I called the Sacramento Kings of baseball for not trading Trevor Story or Herman Marquez. Like that didn't make any sense. How as a team who's supposed to be rebuilding, you do not trade Trevor Story who's going to be a free agent next year and Marquez who's like a goddamn ace. You don't decide to give him up to a contender who could have easily used him. Makes absolutely no fucking sense in the slightest. But that's here nor there. This, it's just like, there's so much wrong with the NBA and tampering. The NBA kind of made this bed, and now they have to sleep in it. And so don't be surprised that Bucks fans are going to keep yelling about tampering until we see someone else get punished. Because it is not only the Bucks that are tampering. It's happening across the league. It is running rampant, and Adam Silver is playing favorites. Lastly, let's wrap up the show with the Milwaukee Brewers. So Milwaukee Brewers had a good week. They were 5-1. They swept Pittsburgh. They took two out of three from Atlanta. They were down early against Atlanta. Corbin Burns was really rough out in one of his worst of the year. He got the Brewers down. I think it was 5-0. And then the Brewers came back with a vengeance. And they scored nine runs. Nine Was it nine unanswered? The Brewers were great. Regardless, the Brewers were absolutely electric in that game. Really good offensive output from the crew. Uh, they they had a good one. Yeah, they started. They were down four nothing after the first inning. The Brewers then came all the way back and scored eight unanswered in the third and fourth inning with a big home run from uh, uh, Avisel Garcia and Willie Adamas. Both hit huge home runs. Adamas has went four thirty. Escobar got in the mix. Welcome to the Brewers. But yeah, not a great start from Corbin Burns. That'll happen from time to time, right? We all have bad starts. The rest of the Brewers were great the rest of the way. Boxberger, two innings. Jake Cousins had an inning. Uh, Devin Williams had a good good inning. Suter, strong ninth. Struck out the side there. Like, they were great after Corbin Burns. They just needed, you know, Corby just had a bad start, and they picked him up. And that says to me a lot about the Milwaukee Brewers, that they don't just rely on their starters to be great, and they can get it done without them. Now, they, they struggled to get off the mat on Saturday. That game actually was a lot closer than the score. Uh, Dansby Swanson hits a grand slam in the seventh inning, and that sort of makes it look a lot worse than it was. It was a 4-1 game. Brewers just couldn't really get any offense going uh, against the Braves. And then yesterday, they got some quick offense, and they just sat on a lead and kind of parked the bus. You know, it was a very humid day in Atlanta yesterday. Brad Anderson bitched about it after the uh, 
the game itself. And I think the Brewers were not necessarily focused on getting more runs. They were just sort of focused on making sure they won this one. So 5-1 and one road trip is great. The Brewers are 20 games over 500. It's kind of crazy the Cincinnati Reds keep winning baseball games, yet they haven't really moved in the standings. Like the Cincinnati Reds, I think, so they're 7-3 and three in their last 10, and they're still seven games behind the Brewers. So they've made some hay in terms of the wild card, but the Reds are still way far back with the Brewers. Uh, and so it's, it's not even close, right? Which is it's hilarious in its own right. Yeah, now the Reds are only four back of the Padres. So they have made a little bit of a move in terms of their the wild card standings. But yeah, it's, it's definitely not what you want if you're Cincinnati. Like that to me, as a Reds fan, I would be like, we are so screwed. We've won seven of our last 10 and we are in the exact same spot as we were when we got swept by the Brewers back, you know, a couple weeks ago. That's rough, man. That That's definitely tough. So now the Brewers get ready this week to play the Pirates yet again, and then the San Francisco Giants. This Giants series is obviously big, and you can't have the Brewers look ahead to that Giants series. And yes, the Pittsburgh Pirates have been the lovable losers. The Brewers only have two more series left with them. Uh, they have a or no, this is the last series with Pittsburgh. So they get this is the last sort of licks with Pittsburgh. You have Eric Lauer against Bryce Wilson. Bryce Wilson, formerly of Atlanta, now pitching for for the Pirates tonight. Uh, Lauer was pretty good in his last. I think he when did Lauer, did Lauer start or was he a piggyback? It's really hard to keep track of the Brewers rotation right now because these guys are doing this piggyback thing. So he piggybacked in the seven three win on Wednesday night. And he was good in that. He gave up a run, but only two hits. Struck out four. Uh, Lauer was pretty good in that. And then Adrian Hauser gets the ball on Tuesday. Hauser uh, started that game on Wednesday. Was really efficient. Has been very good against the Pirates this season. And then Freddie Peralta on Thursday. And they've, as the Brewers are trying to kind of manage Freddie's, you know, minutes and not minutes, but. Uh, innings as Freddie's, you know, kind of getting into it. He was dominant against the Pirates last time out, uh, giving up only two hits, allowing no runs, and striking out five. The Pirates are still trying to find themselves. This is an opportune time to play the Pirates. I'm not saying I accept expect a sweep, but the Brewers should just keep the gravy train rolling against Pittsburgh this week. And then you have a big series against the San Francisco Giants this weekend where a lot could change with the top of the of the National League. And that's it's a huge series. And I'm surprised that baseball isn't covering the Giants more. Like, I was stunned that the Astros and Giants didn't at least get one series on a national broadcast. Like, Friday night, you have Mets-Phillies as the national game. Like, how is it not Brewers, Brewers and Giants? You have Corbin Burns on the mound Friday Saturday, you have D. Scalfani, old friend. He's dominated the Brewers in the past. And Brandon Woodruff. And then on Sunday, which again, not TBS. And oh, the game is on ABC. So it's not on ESPN. It's, it's Cubs White Sox, which definitely has lost its luster. But that's on ABC, not ESPN. Fascinating. Uh, but that will not be a national broadcast either. Uh, that's Johnny Cueto, another old friend uh, against Brett Anderson. So you have, 
you have three games where the Brewers and Giants really should get some national appeal as the two, two of the best teams in the National League. Yet we are hung up on a fucking NL East matchup between New York and Philadelphia and the Cubs and the, and the White Sox. So good job by everybody there. Um, that's just, that's so baseball, right? Like, I don't mean to be this guy, but that, I mean, that's, why do we need, so hold on. So I, I just realized this. So the Mets and Phillies are on national TV the entire fucking series. Who the fuck cares this much about Mets Phillies? How is that possible? How, honestly, like what the fuck are we doing? How is that, how is that on national TV the entire weekend? You have Boston, Toronto this this weekend too. That's a pretty good series. You have LA versus LA, so Shohei Otani in Dodger Stadium this weekend. And yet all the games this weekend on national TV are Mets and Phillies. Did I suddenly transform into the NFL? Did we suddenly get to the NFL now? Where it's like, all right, it's an NL East, it's a NFC East matchup. We gotta show it. We gotta put it on. That's ridiculous. God, baseball's broken sometimes, man. Fuck. That was a unexpected rant. Sometimes what you get when you're doing long podcasts. This is a long-ass podcast. Wow, 41 minutes. Shit. Uh, I hope you guys enjoy it. Um, but, yeah, good week for the Brewers. Just, again, 4-2 and two is fine, right? Like, I, I would like to beat the Giants 2 out of 3. I would like to beat the... Pirates, two out of three. You don't need to win every game. As much as I'd like the Brewers to win every game, and it's a lot of fun when the Brewers win every game, I just can't. You can't expect it. Um, And hopefully you don't get humbled. I mean, I think with the Red Sox last weekend, we saw them sort of get humbled and get knocked on the mat, getting swept by the the Tampa Bay Rays. And that's tough. But, you know, it's baseball, right? You're going to have bad stretches. And I'm not saying the Brewers are due for a bad stretch, but it wouldn't surprise me if one comes up. But the Brewers have a pretty easy schedule down the stretch here. Like, you look at what the Brewers have, even though they don't have Atlanta, or I'm sorry, Atlanta, they don't have Pittsburgh the rest of the way. Like, this is the last time they'll play Pittsburgh. They, after, oh no, they have another one in Pittsburgh. God, bad by me. Sorry. They go, so they go Chicago, then they play Pittsburgh again over the weekend, and then they go to St. Louis. So they have a three-game or a three-city road trip coming up after this, which is always tough. Those are never fun. Then they come home and play Washington, who is a shell of themselves. Big home series against Cincinnati. Head out to Minnesota and San Francisco, four-game set in the Bay, and then home for St. Louis, Philadelphia, Going to Detroit and Cleveland, yeah, I mean, they, man, they got, they got kind of a paved road, and then they kind of get a playoff preview. A lot of St. Louis, so maybe that's why St. Louis made some trades for guys like Jay Happ and John Lester. It's because St. Louis sort of thinks they have a, an ample opportunity to maybe go up and get the Brewers. We'll see. It'll be interesting. Uh, definitely, the sixty-game stretch is this final push. And just as long as the Brewers keep their heads sort of at level, they're going to be really successful for the rest of the season. All right, we'll talk about Snowtap WI, tapping the keg transition some other time since we're already way too long on this podcast. Um, But we will talk about that uh, at another show. The schedule this week, so you guys know what to expect. We got the podcast on Tuesday, uh, another Daily Tap, Wednesday Daily Tap, Thursday, tapping the keg with Mitch and I. And then Friday, another Daily Tap to wrap us up for the week. That will be the schedule this week. Hope you guys enjoy it. We're hoping to get everything out either 
midnight, 11 o'clock the night before or before 8.30 on the weeks. So we're kind of sticking to that. Um, hopefully, I know a lot of you like having the podcast early. We will try our best. Sometimes life just doesn't allow it as much as I would love it to. But I'll try to update you guys more on that. So follow me on Snow on uh, Instagram, uh, Tabby the Keg Sports there. And we'll try to keep you guys more updated as to when podcasts are dropping. All right, take care of yourself. Have a good one. Bye.